Today on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, we've got Bob Elliott here to take us into the largest fly tying and fly fishing expos in the country. This year, it's bugs and bamboo. Today, we are going to not only highlight the expo and all the goodness there, but Bob will share the three best take-homes of how he transformed the show this year. Plus, we find out what a fly fishing simulator is all about and how you can get your fly fishing Disneyland uh, experience uh, at this event. Bob is the chair of one of the largest fly fishing events in the country, so we are going to find out what his secret sauce is today. After this show, Bob is going to keep us hungry for more. He's going to humble us and make us smarter all at the same time. Here we go. Bob Elliott from nwexpo.com. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, Dave. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for putting this one together. We uh, we are going to talk about the uh, the Northwest Expo. This is a popular uh, fly tying symposium, but it's more than that. I think it's uh, it's these expos are popping up around the country. I think we've got the fly fishing shows, but these expos are a little bit different. So we're going to talk about how it's different and how this one's unique because I know it has a lot of fly tires and there's some good history there. So before we get into that, take us back to fly fishing. Kind of what's your first memory? How'd you get into it? All right. Well, thank you for having me on, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity to get a chat with you. Um, my fly fishing history, I have no people in my family that have ever, ever fly fished before me. So I'm kind of a pioneer in that aspect. Uh, I tied my first fly when I was probably about 11 or 12 years old. We had a local pond that was stocked with small bass and bluegill. And I decided I wanted to learn how to maybe try to tie a fly. So I got into my mother's sewing materials and got some of her thread and I tied a black thread and I made a loop of pink thread for a wing and it was super, super ugly, but it actually worked and I caught a few bluegill with that. Oh, you did? So bluegill was the first. Where was that at? Where were you? Where were you fishing? Oh, that was in Sweet Home, Oregon. Was this just like a little, uh, like a kind of a little farm pond or something like that? Yeah, you know, when you live, when you grow up in a rural area, you're looking for things to do. And so this is a local pond. We had to walk probably three quarters of a mile maybe to get to it, but um, just have really fond memories of that. So from there, I actually fished, I fly fished with a fly bobber set up in spinning gear for many, many years. And finally, when I retired, I decided, well, I really, really need to learn how to fly fish. And so I started that journey upon my retirement. Uh, my work profession, I was a paramedic firefighter and an EMS training officer for the Lebanon Fire District here where I live. Nice. So that's pretty cool. I mean, you got started, you had a touch of fishing early, but didn't get into fly fishing till a little bit later. What, what was that like starting out, um, you know, kind of it sounds like I'm guessing you took some classes or something. How, how did you, when you started after retirement and what did you do to kind of up your game? Yeah, that's a good question, Dave. So um, I'm self-taught. It took me really about a year to learn how to really cast. And so that was uh, quite a barrier actually. And having said that, um, I was really passionate about getting involved in the, in this journey. And so I've gone from being self-taught to actually being a lead instructor for our local community college for the introduction to fly fishing. So that's kind of a full circle event going from being frustrated to actually being able to teach people how to cast. And that's been really delightfully fun. 
So when I got started fly fishing, I just immersed myself totally in it, Dave. You know how that can be so addictive, right? So I wanted to learn everything that I possibly could about fly fishing, about the sport. And so that's led me to become the president of our local uh, fly club. It's the Lynn Benton Family Fly Fishers. And I teach at the college, and now I'm the chairperson for the Northwest Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo. And that's kind of what I'm about with you today. That's right. Northwest Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo. And that's what we're going to correct. We're going to talk about today. We're going to give some tips on uh, what people can expect in some of the resources there. But I think this is interesting with the fly casting, too, especially because I think you do have some casting instruction. In fact, one person you have on, I'm going to be talking to in about two hours, Al Burr. And we're going to dig into a lot on Spain. and he's written some books and things like that. Yeah, but, excellent. Yeah. But uh, we're going to be talking to, about, to him about that. But, I mean, for you, going back to the story again, so you, you taught yourself. Did you ever get into it where you're saying, hey, I'm going to get the FFI or the, you know, the, the instructor kind of go through that whole process? Well, I haven't, but I do have some co-instructors that are very much involved in that process. So um, I love to teach. I love to talk about just all aspects of introducing people to fly fishing. And I kind of depend on my other guys for the casting part. Oh, I see. So, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're not, you're not interested in going to the, I'm what I'm guessing is probably a, a number of years to get that certification, right? Well, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do know that the guys that are into it are really passionate. And I've actually learned a lot from them as being a part of the instructor process. And it's interesting because we've kind of, molded some of the ideas from FFI and some of the personal things that I've learned over the years to really integrate a window of opportunity within about six weeks. People really go from being like frustrated to be, wow, I can really cast a fly. And so they're really ready to hit the water and become fly fishers after they finish our class, which is gives me great satisfaction to see the progression, like when they start out, it's just really ugly. And at the end of six weeks, it's most of them are pretty proficient at casting, which is is delightful for me. That's cool. Well, another one you mentioned, and again, we're going to get into the expo here in a sec. But, um, you know, I think these are interesting topics like the Lynn Benton. You mentioned, what was it, the Lynn Benton Fly Fishers or what's the name of the group? Yes, it's the Lynn Benton Family Fly Fishers is our, our group. Lynn Benton Family. And, and it's really cool because... You know, I mean, I think the local groups are basically, you know, just like the fly shops are kind of the backbone. It's this really cool thing in fly fishing that there's all these groups. So describe that. How is that group, the Lynn Benton, different than, say, the Northwest Expo? Or is it kind of intertwined or are there lots of groups? And then and then also talk about, you know, how, you know, who you guys are, you know, kind of recruiting to that group. Are you looking to get brand new people sure. or are these people with experience? Yeah, yeah. So um, these are independent things, but... Part of the birthing of me becoming the chairman of the Northwest Fly Tying Fly Fishing Expo was kind of birthed out of being president of our club. Uh, the expo grounds in Albany is our home turf, right? So we're the local people. So I thought, man, it would be really great if we could get local people involved in a greater dynamic to serve for that expo show. And that's kind of led me to some very interesting journeys of meeting some great people and it's just been really fun. I almost feel like I was built to do this, Dave. There you it's go. It's like it's really filling my calling in life. So that That's part's really great. cool. As far as the local club, we're fairly small. We're just under 50 people as active members right now. And, of course, we're always looking to recruit new people. We It's a really fun group of people. We're, we really 
enjoy each other's company and we do group outings and have uh, monthly meetings. And it's, it's just really a good environment. If you're new to fly fishing and you want to get to know people, that is a great avenue to help you get started on your journey to find like-minded people that can give you a lot of instruction and really have a fun time together. Perfect. And are these people coming from, is it mainly, I mean, Lynn Benton, I guess is the, is the county, but are people coming from, uh, like how far away are people coming from? Yeah, well, we have actually one member from Northern California. Oh, there you go. And we also have a few uh, members from the Bend area that actually get over here. They get over the mountain to come to the Willamette Valley. And so they're a part of our club and participate. And what are those people, a part of your club, why, you know, Northern California, why would that person be there? And then, you know, yeah. are there more people out there? Well, that's kind of an interesting backstory. At our expo last year, we had a booth set up and one of the guys from one of the other clubs in Northern California came by and he just sat down and chat with, chatted with us for a while. He says, man, hey, I really like you guys. I think I'll join up and there you be go. A part of your group. So that was really, yeah, really fun. That's to, cool have that window of opportunity. So there's no restrictions. Absolutely not. Okay, cool. Because as people yeah. were listening here, I mean, there's people all around the country who are definitely, you know, have their own groups. But I think it, it's probably every, I'm guessing every um, state has plenty of these types of groups. What is the, like, how do you search these groups? If somebody's listening, say, on in the East Coast or somewhere across the country. Yeah. So yeah. we're an affiliate member of FFI. And okay. If you go to the FFI website, I think that there's a link in there for all the states, so you could find one at your local, at your locality to find a, a group that you could join. Imagine your perfect cast in the pristine waters of Bristol Bay, the heart of the Alaskan wilderness. Togiak Lodge sits in this unique paradise, offering unmatched fishing amidst breathtaking landscapes. Envision yourself right now amidst nature's best, with every fish narrating its own epic tale. You can visit TogiakLodge.com right now. That's Togiak, T-O-G-I-A-K. Your story woven into the fabric of Bristol Bay, where every cast is a memory, every fish is unforgettable. So good. Well, I think that that sheds a little light. Let's, you know, we talk casting. So let's just start there with casting on the expo. Um, yes. You have a lot of things. I mean, when people walk in, we had, um, we had an episode covering this a couple years ago, um, I think with Hal, I believe. Um, and we covered a lot of the, the tires and things like that. So we painted the picture there. It's a lot of tires. That's the really cool thing. But talk about casting and some of the other um, parts of the program you have there. Sure. Um, so our casting coordinator guy is John Connolly. And he's really a special, special person. He is actually a certified master caster with FFI for both single and two-handed spake as well. And there's not many people that hold that designation. So he's heading up our group. Uh, we have all kinds of different uh, options for people, all the way from people just learning how to cast to actual competition. We actually have, this is kind of new this year, we have two different competitions taking place at our expo. One is standard Western-style fly fishing. Great prizes for first place for that. You get guided trips, and we have an a second guided trip for youth as well for that part. The other thing that's new is we are uh, embracing Tenkara. Uh, I don't know if many of the people are familiar with Tenkara fly fishing, but we're going to have a Tenkara competition with a beautiful Tenkara rod as the prize for first place on that. 
as far as the workshops go, the train, the differing ideas or the differing things, you can get almost like one-on-one -on -one instruction with casting instructors or a small group for a small fee. You can get really get to refine your skills with some really excellent, excellent teachers. Right on. So, so these are people, if they wanted to, you know, somebody wanted to up their casting game, they could uh, pay for a, a small group or you have some free sessions as well. They can go there and learn from instructors. That's correct, Dave. Both would be involved. Yeah. Okay. And then on the competitions, talk about that again. You mentioned uh, the first one was the Western style. What, what What is that competition again? Just remind us there. Yeah. So that's going to be casting at different distances. And so the idea is this is going to be a fundraiser for us. So if you enter the contest, you throw five bucks in the pot and you get a chance to cast it rings at various distances and record your score. And you can enter as many times as you want. And so we will keep tally of the score and the highest score at the end of the two day event will win a, a guided trip. Nice. And what day will that be on? Well, it's going to be Friday and Saturday. This is March 8th and 9th for our show. That's really our our target time where we get together and have fun and fly fishing family gets together. And it's really a great, great event. Perfect. So, so March 8th and 9th are the dates of the event. And then the competition will be on, will there be casting competitions on the, both days? Yes, that's correct. Okay. No, I think that's a great idea. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to get out there and see if they could, especially if you think, you know, you're a decent caster. I've heard this a lot, this going back to the FFI certification that people, you know, got into it thinking like, man, I'm a great caster. I'm just going to dominate this thing. And they get into it and they really <laughs> are humbled because they realize they're not as good as they thought. And, uh, and I'd imagine this competition is going to be the same way where people are thinking, man, All I, right. I, can cast, I can cast 80 feet, no problem. And then they're casting, you know, maybe 50. Um, what do you think will be the record? Well, I don't know. It, it depends. And we'll just kind of wait and see. But the beauty is you can put your money where your mouth is, right? If you try and you don't get a great score, you can continue to put your money into the pot to improve your score. So we're hoping that that is uh, something that's really fun and that it's fun competition and also will generate some revenue for our show. Yeah, that's a great idea. And who came up, because this is something I want to talk about too, just the idea of the event. I know it's been going for a long time. We had the COVID break and stuff, but you know that idea, um, essentially that's like an activation sort of thing. Who came up with that competition idea? Yeah, David's kind of amalgamation of many different people's input. One of the things is we have a local fly shop that's been reluctant to participate in the past and they decided, well, why don't we do this? We will uh, donate one of our guided trips and let's fill, the, or fill it rather than having it at our f normal Friday night auction. Let's do something different. Let's do it on a casting competition. So that was kind of birthed out of that. We had planned to do a competition in advance to that, but that was just kind of the icing on the cake that really confirmed that, yeah, this is a really a solid uh, way to proceed for going forward. That's awesome. And who is the local fly shop? It is the, oh my goodness. Oh, or what town is it? We could it's in Corvallis. It. It's Watershed Fly Shop. Yeah. Yeah. Watershed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's, I think it's the only fly shop in Corvallis. That's correct. I, yeah. I, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I had a connection a while back um, to the car, the Scarlet Ibis. I'm not sure if you remember that, but there was this fly shop in Corvallis back in the day. And uh, it was, uh, I think it was over off a of third. I can't remember though. It was over by Fred Myers, but 
once that went away, I think there wasn't a shop for a little while, but that's cool. Well, I love hearing what you, you know, I mean, basically this shop came up with a great idea, you know, to, you know, kind of uh, engage, right, people listening. And, and so that's the idea is getting folks out there. When you hear about, you know, this thing, or is that is that event going to be kind of presented by the local fly shop or are they just giving away as kind of supporting the group? No, that's correct. They are sponsoring the event. So they'll. we want to give them kudos and promotion for their willingness to come full circle from being kind of outside the loop to being right in the center of what we're doing. That's amazing. Actually, that just gives me great joy, Dave, to see people who have been kind of on the periphery and thinking, well, you know, we've done this stuff before and it's kind of lost momentum, but we're back in the swing and we you know, I'll talk a little bit later about the promotional aspects of what we're doing, but I'm very excited about what's going to be taking place at the show this year. No, I think this is great. I think the what the show has is that, you know, again, it's bringing these people together. Folks listening now are thinking, hey, I can actually go and get not only some instruction, um, you know, talk to people, meet the community, but I mean, maybe win a trip, right? I mean, there's all sorts of great stuff that you can't get online. You know, I mean, it's like the stuff we do, through the podcast is similar, but, you know, and we have some of our own local events, but it's, it's not the same as what you guys do, which is a, a huge, huge event. What, what is the total number of people that like say went, would you would expect would be going to this? Yeah. So I'll talk about last year. Last year was kind of a bit of a buzzkill, right? So we don't think about it being out of COVID for not very long. Actually last year, we're kind of on the tail end of people being very leery about going out in public. And so the numbers for our people for our show last year reflected that people were still kind of nervous about coming out. So we, our numbers were, we had under a thousand people total, which is like not great for our event. Uh, But uh, having said that we are in the process of really doing some new promotional things about our show that's going to really increase our attendance. Speaking of COVID, we actually had, I think, eight or nine people that came down with COVID the Monday after our show. So um, we were, again, we were still kind of in the thick of things. And so we're on the backside of that now, and we're hoping that we'll get a lot of people to come out. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's it. So so either way, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, kind of regardless coming to the event. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things. We, we talked about the competition, which is going to be fun. The Tenkara, I think, is really interesting, too, because Tenkara is one of those topics that I think a lot of people either embrace or they kind of poo-poo, you know, as like, hey, it's Tenkara. It's not really fishing. What was the idea there? Why, why did you guys embrace Tenkara now? And um, Yeah, so given, that, yeah. that's a good question, Dave. Basically, the philosophy, what I'm really trying to bring to the table is a, a broadening of the tent of the various aspects of fly fishing to our show. You know, historically, we've been all about fly tying, which is really cool. I mean, I've got some great, great tires who tie like Atlantic salmon flies that are phenomenal. But in order for us to be successful, I feel like we've got to just broaden the umbrella of the kind of things that we provide at the show. So Intent Car is just one of those particular aspects. I will tell you that my experience with Tenkara has been really delightful. Um, one of my fly fishing buddies says, hey, Bob, what do you think about Tenkara? And I had the exact same thing that you just mentioned, like, no, that's just a toy. It's really not fly fishing. Until I tried it, he loaned me his rod and 
Um, I actually took it on a trip to the Driftless region in uh, northeastern Iowa, and I used it for the first time. It had really some pretty stellar results. And it's kind of like Euronymphing, where you're high sticking, and you really, the sensitivity of being able to, to detect a, a take is really pretty phenomenal. So anyway, so we've got a vendor that was a Tenkara guy, and he was not able to make it to the show last year because we had bad weather, and he is from uh, California and couldn't make it over the, the I-5 corridor pass. And so we connected up with him again, and we're kicking around ideas, and I had mentioned stuff about what we're doing with the casting competition that we had a sponsor for that. And he says, well, I would love to do that with Tenkara to be able to teach people how to cast Tenkara and then have a competition based on on what that skill set involves. So. Yeah, I think that's another awesome idea because it's just something different you don't see a lot of out there. And then people can actually, you know, the people there, probably half of them, I'm guessing, maybe, you know, whatever the numbers are going to be like, ah, you know, but maybe they'll check it out and kind right. of learn a little right. bit about it, right? Well, the idea, Dave, is you if you have something for everyone that is a wide variety of interests, yeah, I think that's part of what the draw of fly fishing is, that there's so many different individual aspects of specialty within this sport that the learning never, ever ceases. You can always learn more, and that's half the fun of really being involved in the fly fishing community. Uh, let me talk a little bit about our title for our show this year. Oh, yeah. It's called Bugs and Bamboo. And the reason for that is uh, twofold. First of all, when I was assigned as the chairperson, the first person on my list that I really wanted to get as a keynote speaker was Rick Hayfley. And as if you know Rick, he's a great bug guy. I mean, he's so well-studied and well-learned and is able to distill very complicated stuff down to a layman's level. And so he is he was the very first part of what I really wanted to see happen on our show. So he'll be coming, he'll be doing workshops and he'll be doing author signing and he'll do a, a brief keynote address at our auction on Friday night. The other half of that is bugs and bamboo since it's B and B, the letter B matches. I'll tell you the bamboo story, which is kind of fascinating as well, too. So I have a good friend in town. His name is Chet Croco, and he's the owner of Bellinger Bamboo Fly Rods. And we've been good friends for a long time. And his story was that the bamboo group had a meeting or a conclave on the uh, Metolius River in central Oregon. And they met every year, and they met on federal property. And they had to get a waiver each year to be able to continue to do that venue. And somehow they lost the venue, and so it lost traction. So the bamboo community kind of got lost in the shuffle with that. And I have some – we looked at an option of uh, a connection with another venue on the Metolius with Chet, and I was basically going to just get Chet lined up with this other person to see about reestablishing their venue there, and it kind of fell apart. And so I don't know if it was myself or if it was Chet. He said, what about this crazy idea? What if we blended the bamboo community together with the Northwest Fly Tying Fly Fishing Expo? And I said, I think that's a crazy idea, Chet. It just might work. And so from there, we've just been able to network and we're going to have uh, multiple bamboo rod vendors at our show. Uh, 
We're actually going to have, uh, Chet is actually going to build a bamboo rod during that two-day event. Oh, nice. We have him set up with a planing machine just outside the building so he can actually make a lot of noise and, and build a rod during the time of the show. So if people are interested in bamboo, which I think is really making a comeback, Dave. I don't know how much you know about bamboo stuff, but it seems to be a real vibrant resurgence of rediscovering the, what a bamboo rod can really do, particularly for delicate dry fly presentation. So that's going to be a, a part of our show. Back here with Daniel from Northern Rockies Adventures. Today, we're going to dig more into Northern BC fishing tips. How's it going, Daniel? Doing great. I, and today, we're going to dig into my uh, trusty guide pack. Yeah, let's let's do that because I think gear is always a topic everybody loves. Make sure they have the right gear. They're heading out to this remote part of the world. So tell us, what is in your pack? What are a few things that you think you have to have that make you know a successful gear a pack? Yeah, I think, you know... Uh, First of all, I think it, it starts off with a pack, like a, a backpack uh, that has a bit of waterproofing to it. Uh, 20 to 30 liters is is good to have, really important. I think a waiting staff is always really good to have. From the flies, probably as important as the rod. Uh, I generally always have a five weight rod. Um, I find that that does very well with uh, most of the rainbow trout. Uh, with the bull trout, it can be a bit more of a challenge. Um, if I'm going for pike, I go with an eight weight rod. Great. Well, I love that. I love the quick tips there. And the waiting staff is another good reminder, definitely, uh, being on the water. So we'll send everybody out to, uh, nradventures.com slash swing if they want to dig in deeper. And so this is going to be exciting. So thanks again, Daniel, for all the time. And we will talk to you soon. Let me just give a heads up to a couple things. So first you mentioned Rick Hayfley. He's our favorite entomologist as well. We've had him on a couple times. I'll put links in the show notes to those sure, episodes. Yeah. And then, and then, like you said, the question on bamboo, I think you're right. I think it is a great, again, it's just another thing, right? It's another cool thing to get into. The rods have changed. They're cool. I mean, you've got all sorts of little groups or little companies, like you're saying, building these rods. So I think that's a great idea. Um, and these are the things that I get, you, like you're saying, I think you're on the right track. It sounds like you are the right person for this because the things that you're talking about here, I think do resonate with people, you know, instead of just being like, Hey, let's go see a uh, hundred fly tires or whatever it is, you know, and watch them, which is great. You know, that's amazing. And people will come there for that, but you're expanding and I, I see what you're building. So this is cool. So keep going here. Excellent. Thank you, Dave. Yes. So that's really my passion is again, to broaden the umbrella, to make the appeal for more people to come to our show and experience the joy of fly fishing. Back to our fly choice. So our fly choice for this year is the red fox squirrel nymph that's tied by Dave Whitlock. And I, as you know, Dave passed away this last year. So this is really a tribute uh, fly to the, his legacy. And so they were going to incorporate that as part of the show. I love that particular fly. I catch a lot of fish on that that nymph. It's a very, very, what's the word you're using? It's a go-to pattern, I guess oh, right. I would describe that as. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's one, that's one of your, that's one of the ones that's like, it's oldie, oldie but a goodie, right? This one absolutely. will always work. Yes, yeah. indeed, Dave. Yeah. yeah, good. Okay. So that gives us a little bit of highlight on um, more of the events, more of the stuff. And again, you know, I think it's on the right track. So Bugs and Bamboo the Northwest Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo. Um, we talked about the dates a little bit. Well, let's hear about some of the tires because I think this is a big part. I, I think of some of the people that always come up, um, you know, that are the famous, you know, kind of are, you know, famous in, in Oregon, the Northwest. And some of those are like, um, 
you know, John Shuey, you know, he's always a big hit. You think of some of those tires are going to have a, their entourage around him right at the flight tank. They, they can't even get in to say hi because there's a lot of people around him. But who are some of those people this year that you think would be interesting to check out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hal Gordon is our flight tying chairperson. Uh, you're probably familiar with Hal. He's done work at, with other shows in the Idaho area as well, too. Hal is a great guy. He's a, just a great wealth of information and has knows all of the right people that uh, really provide just excellent, excellent instruction. Uh, locally, Garrett Lesko. I think you had him on your show not too long ago. He's a local, and he's part of our Saniam Fly Fishers, or not Saniam, uh, Lynn Benton Family Fly Fishers Club as well. He actually does uh, tying workshops for our, our club locally. You mentioned John Shuey. He's great. Uh, the, the shopping list is too, really too long to mention. Again, the idea is that we've got roughly 200 fly tires that are going to be dis- on display at the show. Not only do we have the display area, we also have workshops that involve with that. And I could probably segue into that part. So at the show day, we have four different classrooms. And historically, we just kind of had a bit of a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different things that were available. And one of the things I thought would be helpful is that we have four distinct categories of workshops that we provide for the people who attend the show. So uh, classroom one will be primarily fly tying venues. So um, it's going to be information about various types of uh, fly tying. Classroom two is going to be roughly specialty fly fishing things, which involves bugs and bamboo and some various uh, just kind of, again, specialty items that might be of interest to people. Classroom three is going to be all about local waters. And so we have... uh, most of the people are actually guides that guide on these various rivers and and lakes in our local area. And I think that would be really helpful for the local people attending the show. What, what is that? What is that local area? Because I think you say Northwest. Yeah. When I think Northwest, I think of a big geographic region, which, like you said, could include North California. But what, what is the, that area? Yeah. So we're talking uh, Willamette Valley in Oregon, Central and Central Oregon as well, too. So predominantly the rivers and lakes in the Willamette Valley around the Albany, Corvallis, Salem, Eugene area. And then in Central Oregon, we've got a really good contingent of some excellent, excellent waters that people can can learn more about. And so that part really excites me that you have people with local knowledge that are willing to disseminate their information to help people particularly that are new to the sport to be able to get a chance to to catch some really big fish in the process so anyway so onward so classroom four is i'm really excited about this as well it's going to be dedicated to euro nymphing and so that's kind of the new buzz you know a lot of people are kind of you know it's well gee this is so controversial and there's so many different ways to go about doing it but um it really does it's a very efficient way to catch a whole lot of, of large, large fish. And so all the way from just if you've never done Euro before, all the way up to, well, I think I'm pretty good at this and I want to be a competition Euro nympher. We have the full array of classes available for on the different scales that are involved there. Nice, nice, nice. So that's it. So yeah, and you got Euro nymphing. I, I like the, so the classrooms are places where people can, 
go and, and will there be flight tying? So you have all the people tying out there. Will there be special uh, sessions for actually learning uh, flight tying skills? That's correct. So basically the main floor of the expo will be fly tying demonstrations where you can sit down and watch people tie. If you attend the workshop, you'll actually bring your vice and bring materials and you'll get a chance to actually tie flies for that part. I will say in addition for the newbies, we have free fly tying for uh, anyone that wants to do that. So basically you just show up and you sit down at a table and people will teach you how to tie a fly and you can tie your own fly and have that as a part of your entry fee into the show. There you go. And does this show also, um, it's kind of kid-friendly too, right? Is that is that the case? Do you have some kid activities? Yes. So we uh, provide free admission for children to our show. And we also, for our banquet that we have on Friday night, it's uh, free food for children as well too. So we really want to make this something that's uh, multi-generational. You know, one of the complaints you hear about fly fishing is that, oh, it's an old man sport and it's dying out. And we really want to provide windows of opportunity for the next generation to be able to enjoy this wonderful sport. Yeah, that's great. And do you have, I can't remember, is there a, like a brew, a local craft brew? Can people get that at the event? Uh, yes. On Friday night, we have a open, open bar that takes place after the show part is ending and we get ready to do our live auction on Friday night. Friday night and then and then Saturday. So so there's uh, but there aren't craft brews at the event during Saturday and Sunday. Not that I'm particularly aware of. No. Okay. There's some good local local uh, places around Albany as well oh, okay. too that you can certainly get that. Yeah, totally. I'm just thinking as I'm as you're talking about all these different ways you've been mixing it up. It's, it seems like you know the Northwest fly tying, fly fishing, and brew festival, right? Kind of <laughs> copying on a uh, some of the other stuff going around, like the Virginia. I think it's the Texas. Yeah. fly fishing and right yeah we don't but, have that yet dave but that's a great idea you know it's interesting some of the local fly shops in the area have actually set up uh the uh brew yeah in, the, in their, their shops so right right in their shops. yeah so you can ha- go in there and you can chat yeah and have totally. a beer and buy stuff it's really pretty cool concept well and that's why it's cool because it's not about the alcohol getting you know getting smashed or something i mean you're, you're near corvallis so i know what the college kids are like at corvallis yeah yeah, um, yeah but it's not like that it's just like actually you know it's just kind of craft brews and actually there's another potential sponsor is some craft brew, you know, whatever, right? And then people are having a maybe some that want to partake or getting a better experience, and they're enjoying it. But no, I'm just I'm thinking ahead for you. So this is this is really good. Uh, sounds like you've done an awesome job. So you mentioned earlier on, like you were built for this. I love that because I've interviewed a lot of guides on this podcast over the years, and and you hear from the ones that are really great, whether they're young or old, and they always say the same thing. You could just tell that they were made for this. It was like their thing. And, and the guides that aren't as good like me, I guided and I just pretty much wasn't great at it. I didn't enjoy it. You know, I didn't make it. And so, but what do you feel like you, you feel like you're built for this? Explain that a little more. How It sounds like I understand what you're saying a little bit, but describe that. Well, I think there's a, I guess I'd describe it as a sweet spot where you discover something that just really makes your boat float and that you're passionate about it and you're willing to invest the long hours that it takes to really be successful at doing something like this. So I guess that would be a descriptor. Uh, I'm really a team player. So there's a guy by the name of Patrick Lencioni, who is a consultant for like uh, Fortune 500 companies. And I've 
consider myself really a disciple of, of him. He describes that your interpersonal relationships with people involve three things. It involves being hungry, being humble, and being smart. And those three capacity or three aspects, you need all three of those to be successful. So that's kind of the things that I really try to invest in our leadership team. Uh, we've got a great team of people working together. Uh, I will name drop a few here for you, Dave. Uh, Steve Reynolds is our IT guy, and he has done a phenomenal job of he's an expert at analytics. And so what we've done is we've really taken our our show, if you will, and done analytical analysis. And we've got we got a large grant from the city of Albany from the T it's called the TLT program. And they have actually it comes from revenue from hotels that is to be distributed back to communities. Anyway, we've got a large grant for over seventeen thousand dollars for that. And we've targeted online marketing for that. And so Steve, my web guy, he looks in analytics and he said, man, I'm going to go and look at all the YouTube fly fishing videos and see what where the most popular spots are. And we're going to place our ads there. So armed with that information, we built a short uh, save the date video and uh, posted this on some of the high traffic uh, fly fishing videos. And we've had over 187,000 views of our ad. And now Steve knows the analytics of this. I think you had a guy on too, not too long ago, that was talking about doing analytical stuff. I can't remember his name. But um, yeah, so he can tell how many people have just seen it for two seconds and clicked off of it and how many people have watched the entire video. And a large percentage of those people have actually watched the entire video. So, and that was targeted on the West Coast in Canada, Western Canada and Western United States. So it's kind of geographically oriented and it's also kind of a niche advertising because you're advertising to people that are interested in the sport. So based on that information, we have more monies that we can actually put that direction. So I'm really hoping for really a stellar return for the numbers of people to attend our show. Uh, back in the heyday, there was about 3,000 people that attended the event. And, and I'm hoping that we can match that or possibly even surpass that this coming year based on what we're doing with our online advertising that we've got. That's cool. And, and what was the video that, with the, that had the 87,000 views? Yeah, it's just a short, like about a 15-second uh, information about the Northwest Fly Tying Fly Fishing Expo a uh, little bit of uh, graphic stuff that's fun, like jumping fish out of the water. And Steve is really good at uh, constructing those, the content of that. And again, he can look in analytics and say in a heartbeat, if we, an ad is not being very successful, we can rebuild it and change it around. So again, we are kind of getting up to speed with being online. The other thing we're doing is all of our, Stuff that we have available, you can purchase online this year. And so that's all new to the show before everything was uh, point of sale at the show. Yeah, and so well, you, you can get can it all online. To, yeah, you can go to nwexpo.com and you can get all the stuff that you want. You can register for a workshop. You can buy merch. You can get banquet tickets. You can get admission. Uh, everything is available. You just need to go there and, and check it out. Yeah, I see it. Banquet, where to stay. You got all the stuff there. 
Yes. And so one other thing I will say, too, for our workshops in particular, I don't know if you if you look at the price point of what we're providing for our workshops compared to some of the other fly fishing shows around the country, like our the amount that we're charging is like half of what some of these other shows are doing. So it really is value added for people to attend these workshops. The one nice thing about our venue is that we have a lot of square footage. We have a total of 55,000 square feet available in the facility and our classrooms are large. So we can charge roughly half price for our workshops and double the number of people that can attend. So it makes a value added and provides a window of opportunity for people to save some money and also have some really, really good instruction in the process. That's great. Cool. Yeah. So you guys have upgraded quite a bit here. Um, I see, I see where, where you're going on this. This is great. Well, let's, um, let's kind of start to wrap it up here. We've got a, a segment. Um, this is like our, our podcast passport segment we do, which is kind of talking about trips and, uh, and getting around the country. And we've been focusing on this. This might be a trip, you know, somebody might, might be interested or coming through Oregon or this part of the Northwest to do business and maybe they want to fish or something like that. But folks, um, this is presented by um, today by Trout Routes. So Trout Routes is uh, kind of a good, uh, one of our partners and they're offering a way to basically find new waters, lakes, and they're covering everything. And and so um, so this is our passport. But for you, Bob, going back to your personal, what is, you know, it sounds like you've got this local stuff dialed. Do you have anything on your looking out where you say, Hey, I want to go and do this fly fishing trip somewhere around the the country or, or the world. Yeah. So, um, one of the true joys I had was to fix the driftless region in Iowa and Minnesota and, and Western Wisconsin. And I have a good friend that lives in Des Moines, Iowa, and, uh, he invited me out and we made a, a, a trip and there's so many different streams that are available to fish and very large trout again that was my uh opening tenkara experience and so that was really great uh, i've not done a lot of other fishing outside the area because we have so much great great water right where we're at uh, the south sanium river is my home waters and that river is really an undiscovered gem uh it's the fishery is phenomenal i'll have days where i'll have 50 fish caught in a day that's outside the norm, but the norm usually is somewhere between 30 and 40. Uh, but I will say that that river has actually been impacted, and I don't know if we have time to go into the details of that, but um, the Army Corps of Engineers at Green Peter Reservoir was mandated by the courts to draw their water levels down significantly in order to help provide habitat for salmon and steelhead which I think is good. The downside of it is it's, it's created uh, our river as chocolate milk, and I'm concerned about the mayflies and caddisflies that um, so much sediment being washed downstream is uh, potentially going to be a have a dramatic impact on those the numbers of the populations of those guys. So I'm concerned about that. But I talked to a step biologist about this, and he said that, well, there is a bit of a trade-off when you have all this sediment washing downstream that there is biomass in that as well too so there might be other food sources for the trout to be able to just to stay healthy so that's kind of a mixed bag at this point in time gotcha i, I know you have one person that could probably shed some light on some of that you know rick hayfley he's been working i think on the deschutes some of the changes there in the dam right um 
the water, uh, just the intake and the temperatures and things like that. So he would probably be somebody who can uh, maybe give you some background, maybe some sure, help on that. absolutely. Yeah, um, good. Well, so and then you you mentioned three things. Um, and remind us again, Patrick uh, Licioni. What was the name again? Lencioni is his name. He has a couple great books. Uh, the Ideal Team Player, I think, is his magnus opus or magnum opus work. Just really a beautiful thing that describes how you need all three of these aspects. You can be smart and hungry, but not humble. And that's not a good thing. You can have any any two out of the three, and it's still not the greatest way to uh, provide service right. for people. Right? So it's so, hungry, hungry, humble. And what was the third one? Smart. And when it says smart, it's not just ed- like intellectually smart. It's people relationally smart. Yeah. So hungry, hungry, humble, and smart. And that makes sense. So that's that's the the best way if you want to become a, a team player or kind of work with people and build relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I feel like our dynamics of our team, we've got a great team of people. I'll mention a few people. Uh, Sherry Steele has been the prior expo chair, and she's also the president of the Oregon Council. Phenomenal lady, uh, dedicated her life just totally to the fly fishing industry. I mentioned Steve Reynolds as well, too. He's our IT guy. We have a new guy that's involved with uh, getting vendors. His name's Dave Friesendahl. Great, great guy. Uh, Eileen Sherry is the person who's been involved with all the stuff with our um, things for our banquet getting caterers and doing all the work behind that. Uh, Candace Bell is involved with Women's Connect. I hadn't mentioned that before, but we really do desire to have a presence for women and providing avenues for, for them to come and be a part of the show. We have a free luncheon on Saturday for uh, FFI Women's Connect. Uh, let's see. Cheryl Ancelone has done work on getting some of our stuff with all of our uh, T-shirts and and clothing stuff and helping with merchandise. One other thing too, I didn't mention before, Dave, is that part of that grant money that we got from the city of Albany, we purchased a very expensive fly fishing simulator. That's going to be a first time at the show, and this thing is awesome. Like we've got it and we've uh, experimented with it, and basically, it's what it has is it has a clutched drive motor that you watch a video and you feel the fish take your fly and you're it's actually hooked up to an actual fly rod and your your drag just sings and it feels so much like the real thing it feels like you're catching a monster 10 pound trout on Hosmer Lake in central Oregon is how that's set up right so we're realizing that this is going to be very, very popular, right? So we're concerned about kind of the Disneyland thing where you have people waiting in line for a long time. So we are in the process. It's not absolute yet, but we're going to try to purchase a second one of those uh, simulators. Oh, wow. And so that will be available. You, We talked earlier about what's the draw for children, for young people. That will be free for children at our event. Oh, cool. Cool, free for children. And what does that cost? I'm just curious on what, what one of those would cost. Well, we haven't really set a price point on it yet. We're trying to discover, you know, like I say, we don't want to have people waiting in line 45 minutes to an hour to be able to do that. So we're thinking that we do need to have a price point in play there. Again, it's this is all brand new. And so 
uh, we're going to kind of test the waters this year. Okay. Day, see I, how that, that plays out. I see it. So, no, this is great. This is going to be a fun, this is like the experiment year. It seems like exactly. you got all these new things to see what yes. happens and throw, yeah. you know, try it all. And I mean, that's the best way to do it with any, any marketing, you know, you want to test stuff because, you know, you do it and like, you know, half the stuff, if not more, isn't going to work. You know, I mean, that's the thing you figure it out. You're going to have a, a little chunk of things that work great and the other stuff you get rid of, right? As you go. It, well, or you figure out or you ways tweak to it. tweak it, right? Yeah. yeah so that's, this year is kind of a pivotal year in the show. You know, last year we actually lost money on our fundraiser event. And obviously when you lose money, on something that's meant to raise funds, they, those things can go away. And so what we're really, I'm really investing all of my energies into really brought, again, broadening the umbrella of the show of the things that are available. And we're hoping to really make it a very attractive, fun, fun venue for people to come out and see. Amazing. And what was the, so what was the cost to actually buy that um, simulation unit? Yeah. So here's the deal. We have $3,100 invested in it. Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah, three three K for I mean what sounds like I mean again you yeah. imagine if you're to pay Facebook or something for one of their um, you know, meta universe things, I'm sure it'll cost you way more than three K. Yeah. And so we did include this in our grant proposal. So uh the first one was uh purchased with grant funding. So the second one is gonna be something where I'm beating the bushes looking for additional grant funding. I will put a plug in here if you're a uh, if interested in sponsoring the uh, event, you can get a hold of me and we can talk shop as far as uh, helping to defray the cost of that second unit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could see that unit if it's if it's portable. You know what I mean? You could throw it around, like you know, ship it around, send it out to the local fly shops or whatever. If there was room, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, potentially. It is a little technical, Dave. So you'd have to have some expertise. So my IT guy is uh on top of that and so he knows the ropes of that so it would it would have to be some you know you just can't just ship the box out and say hey here do this you're going to have to have some technical uh support behind that yep gotcha this is great this is great well let's wrap this up with kind of the again we talked three i love that uh, patrick had his three things i'm always thinking in threes too what are the we've talked about a lot i think most of everything what are the three top reasons why somebody would want to attend this event this year? Have we talked about them all? Top three. First of all, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for those of people within the fly fishing community, this is an opportunity to get together, to meet with old friends and to rebuild relationship and also to establish new relationships with people. You know, that's been part of my joy in this journey, Dave, I've got to meet so many people that are passionate about this sport and just a delight to be around and to share ideas. I mean, that's really what it's all about, that you get um, this synergy of information, of windows of opportunity to try new things and to, um, yeah, I I think that's half the fun of fly fishing. There's always something new on the horizon where you can take some uh, either existing skill set that you have and improve on it or try something brand new. And so I think those things are great. The third thing is, is that simulator is going to be really fun. Like to feel like you're catching a, a 10 pound trout and feeling like the real deal is going to be something I think is going to be special and new for the show. So those would be those, 
I guess, the top three things I'm talking about. So. Yeah, perfect. All right, good deal. Okay. Well, I yeah, go ahead. I was going to say I have a, just a couple more things to cover. Yeah. Concerning vendors, like we have a lot of vendors available this year. We've actually added additional space. Uh, we've reconfigured our floor plan to make room available. So we filled a lot of those, but we have uh, one row left. We have eight slots for potential vendors. So if you have some people out there that are listening that want to be a, come be a part of our show as a vendor, that would be available. And what type of vendors are you looking for? Are these yeah, old, yeah. Basically, we really want to limit it to fly fishing or something ancillary to that. In other words, we're not going to have a jewelry. You're not going to have Toyota, Toyota there. With Toyota a or giveaway. some kind of a life insurance thing there. We Although really that's not to, a bad idea if you think about well, it, having Toyota giving away a truck that would draw some crowd. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, Come that's on. a great. I mean, idea. you know what I mean. You probably have to. Yeah, but anyways, I I think that the thing is here is that. The value of what you guys offer, I just know because from a sponsorship perspective, you know, getting 3,000 people together at a local event, you know, I mean, companies like Toyota, you know, like that's that's gold, right? Yeah, that's yeah. people that, you know, like, so, but I love where you're going. I think this is the perfect mix. I think that people listening now are realizing like, this isn't just the old uh, fly tying and fishing expo. This is this is a new a new thing. Do you, do you feel like that's, this is a, uh, I mean, are you more excited or more worried that like, because there is a chance of failure here, right? Are you worried at all about that? Do you think about that? So the answer to that question is yes. I mean, yes, both. I'm excited as I'll get out. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think if you oversell a product, then you can have disappointment. If you undersell it and overachieve at the end, that's kind of what I'm really hoping to discover takes place here. A couple other things too. Uh, about concerning about sponsors. I talked about having vendor space available. We also have a sponsorship available for some of the fly shops that are a little bit farther away from our venue that they can still be involved in the process. Basically, for a sponsor fee, we have advertising that is available on our program that we put out. And also, since our web presence is so uh, profound with the advertising that we're doing we provide online advertising so if you're interested in being a sponsor we're looking actually for uh, smaller ticket items to do uh, to for people to donate as part of our some of our auction items and a small ticket I say roughly in the neighborhood of you know 20 to a hundred dollar value we need more of that type of materials uh, also if you have a higher ticket item, we uh, provide a different price point breakage on how much uh, people want to invest on how much advertising they get for that. So that's been really successful. Some I Part of my rounds, I've been going around to fly shops and I've had people who can't make the event but still want to be a part of the show. And so they're on board with doing a sponsorship for that part. So that part's been really cool. Uh, it's really fun when you have people that have not participated in the past that kind of catch the vision of what you're doing and are willing to participate. That makes my boat float really well. So I got one final thing too, Dave. Um, in addition to our show, the National FFI board is going to be here at our show this year. And so they're actually going to do their quarterly workshop here. And they will also provide some of the casting instruction for some of the casting events that we have available. So I want to give kudos to them for 
coming out and seeing what we're doing. I think it'll be really fun for them to get a chance to see the flavor of what is happening in the Pacific Northwest concerning uh, fly fishing. Amazing. Amazing, Bob. Well, I think this has been a great uh, little intro into what you have going. Uh, we will definitely send people out to uh, uh, nwexpo.com if they have questions or want to uh, find out more and get involved. And I think that, uh, yeah, you've you've listed a couple of things for sure that are huge, uh, I think, game changers this year. So I appreciate all your time today and looking forward to hopefully meeting you at the event and, uh, and, and having some great success this year. Excellent, Dave. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. That was an amazing uh, experience. If you get a chance and you have an opportunity to let Bob know you heard this podcast, that would be great. If you can attend the event uh, this year, I'm hopefully going to be there as well. We'd love to see you at the event. And uh, and I hope you uh, have a good uh, year as we kick off the new year. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.